Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, I just pray, Lord, that I'll be able to say what you want said this morning and that what you want to accomplish will be done. Glory to God. We thank you for utterance today in Jesus' name. Amen. Joel chapter 2. Have you found the second chapter of Joel? Beginning in verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. We know, if you know anything about your Bible, you know that the Apostle Peter quoted from this passage and further down in this passage in Acts chapter two and he said, this is that which was spoken by the Apostle or by the prophet Joel. And so we're living in the days of the fulfillment of this this prophecy. Amen. And I tell you, the, the, uh, the, the reign of God is upon us. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. The reign of God is upon us. Hallelujah. The beginning of, this, of, of last year, 2016, I, I just was impressed to, to tell the church that this is going, talking about 2016, would be the most momentous and, and, and important year that we'd experienced in a long time just tremendous things, unbelievable things were gonna happen. I had no idea what I was talking about. I mean, I I know that the Spirit of God has prompted me to say it, but what I mean is I had no idea what it meant. I didn't know what those things would would be. And uh, uh, I tell you, God has moved this year in phenomenal ways. I mean, last year. And uh, so I wanna wanna kind of step into it uh, gradually here. Notice that the reign of God is for harvest. Now, he's talking about natural rain, but there's a spiritual principle. Before you can have a natural harvest, there has to be rain. Of course, like Pastor Greg says, you have to have seed in the ground. But seed in the ground without rain won't produce. If the ground is barren and dry, though you put seed in it, nothing will happen. There has to be rain. And so in the, in the land of Israel in those times, the rain would come in the, in the fall and planting and then it would come again in springtime just before harvest. It was called the former and the latter rain. And, uh, you know, we're, we're living in a time spiritually of the former and latter rain coming together spiritually. Notice it's harvest time. The rain comes for the harvest. Turn with me over to James and we'll see this that this is used in the New Testament. James chapter four, hallelujah. Excuse me, chapter five, verse seven. says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, the rain is for harvest, 
But the rain is also associated with the coming of the Lord. Can you see that? He said, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. So he's talking about just like a natural farmer anticipates the harvest and waits patiently for the rain because though it might look like nothing is happening, he knows that the season of rain is coming. And so he's waiting patiently. He doesn't throw in this hand. He doesn't throw in the towel. It might not look like anything's going on, but he knows he planted. He knows he prepared the ground and he's trusting in the rain and he waits for it. And so the apostle James here was telling us in like manner that that we should be patient until the coming of the Lord because the rain is coming. Well, it's It's here. He said, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Church, the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's at hand. We're living in that generation, church. We're living in the generation of the return of the Lord. Amen. Now now go with me over to Acts chapter three, verse that uh, the Lord especially emphasized to us in 2015 and in 2016. Acts chapter three, verse 19 says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We notice that this word refreshing can also be translated revival so that times of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. Well, the, the, the rains, the spiritual rain of God brings refreshing. When the rains come, it prepares and, and nurtures the seed and then at harvest time, it, it causes the grain to, to fill up and, and for the, the grain to ripen and to, and, to, and to become full. So there's an abundant harvest, but it also causes rejoicing all around because everybody enjoys it whenever the rain comes. There's something refreshing about it, amen? Well, it's a time of refreshing and it comes from the presence of the Lord. Notice, and that he may send Jesus Christ, so that's future, so that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached, that's past, to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So he says that heaven has received the Lord Jesus, but he, is, he will send times of revival so that the Lord can return to us. That tells me that revival, the rain, the moving of God, the pouring out of his spirit, There are many purposes for it. One thing is to bring in harvest. Another thing is to refresh us. But another thing is to prepare us. When the the latter rains came, the grain was already up. The, The plants were out of the ground. But in order for the harvest to be what it needs, you could reap that harvest without the rain. 
there would be a harvest. But the harvest would not be properly prepared. It would not be fattened. It would not be lush. The, the grain would, would not have the, 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 the fullness of it. It would be drier. Jesus is not coming back for a dry church. You realize that he's, he's not just harvesting the world. He's harvesting all of us. When the Lord comes, he's coming to harvest the church. And, and, and we think of harvest, we think of simply of unbelievers, the unsaved, God's harvesting the unsaved. Well, but when, they be, but, but when they get saved, they're no longer unsaved, they're part of the church. God's harvesting the church. And, and, and he wants the church to be full and fat with, with life, teeming with life fully developed, full of the fatness of the glory of God. Revived, refreshed, restored, renewed, ready, ready. God's getting us ready. A preparing is taking place. Hallelujah. Now, I said, you know, 2016, I, I didn't really know what it, what, what it involved, but I said 2016 is going to be a tremendous and unusual year. Whew. Has it ever been? I said, has it ever been? Go with me over to Daniel chapter two. Daniel, the second chapter. I read this, this verse a few weeks ago. Uh, but I want to look at it again. Daniel 2. And in verse 20, this is when Daniel was standing before Nebuchadnezzar and he answered and said to the king, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have no understanding or have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. Aren't you glad? When you don't know what's ahead, he knows. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. There is no darkness in God. Amen. He's, he, let's, let's finish this uh, verse 23. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what, you, what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's demand. He said that God changes times and seasons and that he raises up kings. He removes kings and raises up kings. The Bible is really clear on this one particular fact and that is that God absolutely asserts himself in the affairs of men. God absolutely asserts himself in the affairs of government, natural government. Did he do so where Nebuchadnezzar was concerned? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar and a little later Belshazzar, they were pagan kings and in Babylon, they, they, it was an ungodly nation. In fact, they besieged Jerusalem and took Judah 
into, into captivity. On the one hand, you could say they were no friend of God. But God got involved in what was going on in that kingdom. He got involved because God had a plan for his people and he uses sometimes even the ungodly. I said sometimes God uses the ungodly to bring about his will. He got involved in in Nebuchadnezzar's reign and then after he passed, he got involved in Belshazzar's reign. I'm telling you, God asserts himself in the governments of men. To, to nobody could have predicted, maybe one or two, but almost nobody could have predicted in the beginning of 2016 what would happen politically in our nation. Yeah, I mean, it just, and right up until the very end, right up until the minutes before it happened, there were people just saying it can't be. It just can't be. There's no way Donald Trump can become president. You've seen probably the, the video replays of all the different uh, talking heads, you know, and pundits. Just absolutely declaring there's no way Donald Trump is not going to be president. There was a degree of arrogance and, and a degree of, of blindness and if you, if you tried to predict, listen, I'm not, I'm not here advocating for the person of Donald Trump. I don't agree with everything he said, some of the ridiculous comments that he's made. I don't agree with them. That's, that's not, this is not a political uh, sermon this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what God does in injecting himself and asserting himself in the affairs of men. But if you just, if you even... I mean, right up at the very end, if you, if you, went on, if you were a, a person, a public figure, and you declared, I believe Donald Trump will be president, you, would, you were mocked by the media, laughed at. I mean, no, no one disputes the fact that the political scene of our nation has been turned upside down, completely upside down. Now, I know a lot of you probably voted for Donald Trump. I also suspect that maybe some of you didn't. It's got nothing to do with it. No one can deny that the political scene of our nation has been turned upside down. Nothing like this has ever happened in the history of the country. Nobody like Donald Trump has ever been elected. A man with no political experience at all. He's never run for anything. Well, he did run for president once before, but he's never, he's never held any office and never run for any other office except president. And I believe what God has done is God has rebuked both parties. I believe he has rebuked the Democratic Party for its policies, ungodly policies, its platform that was anti-biblical, anti-God, and the best they could do was to offer a candidate that was under criminal investigation. People said in this campaign, if 
anyone other than Hillary Clinton had been running against Donald Trump, he could not have won. And if anyone other than Donald Trump had been running against Hillary Clinton, she could not have won. Two complete absurdities. He rebuked the Democratic Party. It's in total disarray. But he also rebuked the Republican Party. <clears throat> Republicans have, have had uh, opportunity in our nation for years now to correct some things and they absolutely refused to do it. When the scandal broke of, you know, was it in 2015 or 14, 15 of, of the uh, Planned Parenthood, the selling of aborted baby parts, Anybody with a conscience was shocked and appalled. And the Republicans could not even muster the strength to do anything about it. They could not even defund Planned Parenthood. Did not even have the will. Well, we could vote. They controlled the House. They controlled the budget. Well, if we do that, you know, President Obama, he'll just veto it or he'll just... Listen, stand for something... Stand for something. Take a stand, even if it hurts you, even if it looks impossible. Do the right thing. Well, God had God God allowed someone completely different to come in we've never seen before. Listen, he needs prayer. Donald Trump needs prayer. Because in his own ability, uh, he, he will fail. He will fail in his own ability. I, I believe he is a man that inherently has a lot of pride. And that's not a good thing. His foes are not just in the Democratic Party. His, his foes are in the Republican Party. He has a lot of people that hate him. And it only takes, what, four votes in the Senate. It just takes four Republicans to bail on any legislation that he proposes and, and to block it. So, I mean, it's our, 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 our president and our political scene, we need, we need to pray. But I'm telling you, God has done something remarkable. Our government... Was, was trending more and more against God and more and more in favor of everything you can think of that's ungodly. We've seen our nation just teeter almost on the, on the verge of, of insanity considering the, the social and, and moral issues that should not even be up for discussion. And people don't even know what to do any, anymore. And uh, God, God is, has done something. And the enemy will try to resist. So the enemy will try to resist. Remember when Jesus cast the demon out of the boy? He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He came down and the disciples, there was a, a man and his son there. And, and, the, and he had come to the disciples, the other 
remaining nine disciples who didn't, you know, only three went up with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. So the other uh, apostles, disciples were there and a man brought his son that it was demon possessed and asked them to cast the spirit out and they couldn't. Jesus cast the spirit out of him and it said whenever he commanded that spirit to come out that the spirit convulsed him said he screamed, the man, the young, the kid screamed out with a loud voice and that spirit convulsed him and threw him on the ground before he came out. You can expect some convulsing. God has moved to bring some change, but you can expect some convulsing. And, and we, have to, we have to keep ourselves alert. But go with me over to Acts chapter 12. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12. Try to speed up here. I got a lot to say. I just want to get in the high points. Acts chapter 12, verse number one. Now, about that time, Herod the king. Now, this isn't the Herod that was Herod in Jesus' story that we read about at Christmas. That was Herod the Great. This is Herod Agrippa, a different king, but he's still king over Judea. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And then it tells about how God miraculously delivered Peter from the hand of Herod, from his captors, and we won't go into all of that. God supernaturally delivered Peter. Herod is a natural, ungodly king and he thought to do despite to the spirit of grace, to attack the church, to attack its leaders. And God supernaturally protected the church. Amen. Set Peter free. But going down to verse 20, now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord and having made Blastus, the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country, Tyre and Sidon, was supplied with food by the king's country, Judea. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. There are going to be those who are going to try to defy what God is doing. What he's done, they're already trying to defy it. They're trying to uh, discount it, dismantle it, and you know, stop it. It's a dangerous thing. When God, when God moves, he gives people a place to repent and get in line. And when people are just determined to go their wicked way and to, to fight against what God's doing, it's not good for them. Herod perished because of that. Well, what, what are we to do? We as the church, we need to be sure that we've made a decision where we stand. We're we gonna stand with God or we're we gonna stand with the world. Go with me to uh, 1 John chapter two. 1 John chapter two. 
My statements, though they're in, we're referring to political things, is not about politics. It's not about politics. It's about siding with God. God has moved in our nation in a profound way. Like I said, beginning of last year, no one could have predicted anything like this. People didn't believe it while it was unfolding election night. (laughs) Every channel, all of the news, they just couldn't believe it. But God's not just moving in the political realm. There's some things that has to be corrected in the church realm. The church, I'm talking about the body of Christ in general, the church is not where it needs to be. In fact, the conditions in our nation that led to this, uh, uh, this, this turn up, this, this reversal of things, the conditions in our nation are the church's fault. Yeah, it's true. And there's, church, there's a fine line between being friendly with unsaved people, being friendly with the world, trying to uh, relate to them in a way that, that won't uh, uh, unnecessarily uh, cause you know strife to try to conduct yourself in a way that's that's as least offensive and non-religious as possible. There's a fine line between that and becoming like the world, and it's real easy to cross that line. It's real easy trying to win the world to start being like the world. Amen. And there's some scriptures in the New Testament that people don't preach on very often, but they're New Testament. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it. I like the older King James. It says the, the, the world is pass, passing away and the fashion of it. It's passing away. Don't hitch your, wag, don't hitch your wagon to this world. Don't hitch your wagon to the ways of this world, the philosophies of this world, the moods, the trends of this world. Don't get hooked up with it because it's passing away. He who does the will of God abides forever. Go with me over to uh, James. Go back just a few pages to James. Hallelujah. Chapter 4. I was going to drop down to verse four, but let's start in verse one. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You war and fight, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask and miss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, well, you boy, 
Now, this is, this is not a, a, a refrigerator scripture, is it? You know, your little precious promises that you pin on your refrigerator. I don't think this is one of them. <laughs> but it's New Testament, isn't it? And, and we, need to, we need to read it and give it heed. He says, adultery and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Like I said, we need to be real careful in the days in which we live that we know where we stand and that we align uncompromisingly with God, that we stand uncompromisingly because the, the trend in the church today is to go along to get along. That's the trend in the church. The trend in the church today is to be tolerant to the point of accepting other people in their sin. There is a, there is a teaching or, a, or a, an idea out there in the church world that Jesus would just accept anybody any old way and just love them and, and put his arm around them and say, that's okay, I know what, you, I know what you're going through. Excuse me, I know your problem. Oh, you're okay. You're okay. No. Jesus loves everybody. He, he, he embraced sinners, but when he did, they changed. They changed. The God that we serve is still changing lives today. And when we give people the idea that they don't have to change, we circumvent the most basic and fundamental reason Jesus came. Sinners need to change their ways. Amen. And this, and this lie has, has crept into the church that in order to win the world, we need to lower our standards so that people won't be offended by the truth of the gospel. Well, that's not what God's saying. In fact, go with me over to Matthew. It gets worse. <laughs> go over to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go there who go in by it but narrow is the gate and difficult or constrained is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it beware of trying to 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 be popular and be in the popular crowd so beware of trying to be in the popular crowd Beware of trying to court the friendship of this world in order to be accepted by this world. They're going the wrong way. And the masses of people are not right. The fashions, the trends, 
The philosophies of this world are not right. They're abhorrent to God. They lead to destruction. And we don't, have, we don't need to have anything to do with them. He warned us. Did, not, did Jesus not warn us? Narrow is, enter by the narrow gate for the wide, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Most people are on that path. But narrow is the gate. Constrained is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. He said, enter by that gate. Enter by that gate. Then verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I tell you, we have a lot of false prophets, a lot of false preachers, teachers, and ministers in the church today. They're not of God. They're not leading the church in the right direction. They're saying we can, we can accept everything and go along with everything. That's not of God. It's a false prophet. It's a false message. Inward, they, they, they come in sheep's clothing, but that, what on, what's on the inside is not what you see on the outside. Amen. He said, you shall know them by their fruit. You do not know them by their supernatural gifts. Jesus never said to examine the supernatural gifts in a person's life to determine whether or not they're of God. He said, you examine their fruit. What's the outcome? What's the outcome? You'll know them by their fruits. Do, not, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that, is, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, notice verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, a few, did he say a few? Was this something that would just happen here and there once in a while? No, he said in that day, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonderful, many wonderful works in your name? That's why, that's why Jesus said you don't judge people by their supernatural gifts. You don't judge them by, their, by the flash that you see and the, and the outward appearance of, of results. Because these people said, listen, we, we were prophesying in your name. We were casting out demons in your name. Many wonderful works in your names. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's serious business. That's sobering. Amen. Beware of, of being in the popular crowd. Beware of false preachers. It takes time to examine the fruit of ministries. Amen. Beware of lukewarmness. What did Jesus say about being lukewarm? He said, I'd rather you be hot or, or, or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth, Jesus said. God changes times and seasons, nationally and spiritually. I believe we've entered a new time and a new season. Nationally, we've seen dramatic reversal in our nation. And, and, and it still needs prayer. 
But God, God often does things in both realms concurrently. God very, when, when you see God moving in a, in a real outstanding way in the natural realm, there's usually something in the spiritual realm either happening at the same time or about to happen. And it's not just happened in America. The, there, around the world, there is what's called the Trump effect. Have you heard about that? The, the, you know the, 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 the Brexit vote in Britain? They're, they're comparing those things. That's the Trump effect. Because, you know, in, in the summer when Donald Trump won the nomination, the Republican nomination, it stunned everybody. And about the same time, the Britons were rising up and said, we're, we're not going with the status quo anymore. We're rejecting what our leaders are telling us. We're, re, we're, we're not, we're tired of things as it is. And there's a mood like that around the world today. And out of that can come good things and out of that can come evil things. Because sometimes people reject what's not right only to accept something worse. But, but my point is, I'm getting off my point. My point is when there are upheavals in the natural realm, watch out. God's doing something in the spirit realm. God's doing something big in the realm of the spirit. I'm telling you, God's doing something in the church right now. Hallelujah. He's, he has moved to set some things straight in the nation, I believe he's setting some things straight in the church. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just exhorting you to make sure you're in the right crowd. Make sure your passion lies with God and that there's no compromise in your life. No compromise. Because we don't, we don't, we don't want to run with the wrong crowd in these days. It's not good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, amen. This is a good word for us to start the year. Amen. I tell you, this year is going to be tremendous. 2016 was tremendous. A lot of, a lot of change in the natural realm. I believe 2017 is going to see a lot of change in the spiritual realm and in the church realm. And if God does something as dramatic in the realm of the church as he did in the realm of the natural, we can't even imagine it. Because this time last year, if I'd have said, and I, and I did say, this, this year's gonna be a, a, a year, a tremendous year. God's gonna do great things. I, I had no idea what it was. We could not have imagined anything so outrageous as what's happened. So, so uh, epic if God, if, if by this time next year, we could very easily be looking back on 2017 and going, whoo, what God has done in the church. Whoo, glory to God. None of us expected this. <laughs> glory to God. Oh, I tell you, I, I, I just, it's just my personal belief it's coming. It's coming. Great, great, great change is coming. Oh, hallelujah. Make sure you're on the right side of it. Make sure you're right in the middle of it. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Thank God. Let's stand to our feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Acts chapter three, I'll read it again. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. Woo, glory. We haven't seen anything yet in terms of what God wants to do in the church. And like I said, if he, if he does anything as dramatic in the church as he did in the natural realm, this year is going to be something else. It's going to be something for the history books. I, I'm just giving my opinion. <laughs> Glory to God. But, but we need to be ready for it. We need to repent of anything that's not in line with God's perfect will. We need to repent of not being interested enough, separated enough, prayerful enough, hungry enough. So repentance isn't, isn't always talking about sin. Repentance, the, the word repent, most often the context is repenting from sin, but the word itself is broader than that. The word literally means to turn around and ch- or change one's mind or go in the other direction. So you, you search your own hearts. Are there areas where you need to turn and go another direction? Where you need to change? Amen. It may, be, it may involve some, some area that the Lord's been dealing with you about that's sinful or it just may be a, an attitude of your heart or, a, or, a, or a, 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 an issue of, of, of your uh, orientation and what you really want out of life. How hungry are you for God? Oh, God's calling us higher. He's calling us further. He's calling us deeper. Let's get ready to go. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.